0: Welcome to church. Today, Pastor OJ is continuing our series, Ancient Text for Modern Times, where he'll be speaking about how the words of Jesus build a firm foundation in our lives. If you're new here, we'd love to connect. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199 and we'll respond right back. I'm so glad you could join us today. So welcome to all those of you joining us on the main floor, to those of you joining us in the balcony, to those of you joining us in the lower auditorium, and welcome to the many who are joining us online this morning, wherever you're watching us from this morning, we welcome you. Uh, We have a special service this morning with with our children, or some of our children that have joined us this morning in the service. And if you're a child, grade 6 or under, and uh, you're part of the children's ministry, or if you're visiting this morning, you're a child, and you're here, I'd like you to stand, please. Could you stand, please? Can all the children stand, please? Let's just really uh, uh, welcome the children. So good to see all of the children, and to those of you children that would be watching online, we bless you as well. And I want to say to the children, you are the church of tomorrow, but you are also the church of today. You're also the church of today. God bless you. And you know, if you are a volunteer or staff. And you work with children. In our children's ministry or anywhere else with children or in our online children's ministry, we have an online production that produces an online uh, uh, segment every week. If you're involved as staff or volunteer in serving children, could you stand, please? Can you stand? Come on, don't be shy. Can you stand? Can all of the staff and volunteers stand upstairs and everywhere? We bless you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do every week. It is significant, makes a big difference in people's lives. This morning, we are continuing in our series, Ancient Texts for Modern Times. Wasn't that an ancient video clip? (laughs) Some ancient people on there I saw, actually. Uh, The message this morning is entitled, Foundation Matters. Foundation Matters. Most commentators feel that Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes, is also the author of Psalm 127. And as we go through Psalm 127, we will see the contrast between a life built on our own efforts and a life built on the firm foundation of God's principles. And I'm going to invite you all to stand this morning for the reading of Scripture. And we have some of the children will be helping me with the message uh, this morning. So if you could stand, uh, and also if you're watching us online, if you can stand as well for the reading of this section of Scripture. And we have Zeph Stoik, Zoe Stoik, and Asher Chakala here to read. So if you could read Psalm 127, please. As the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for He grants to sleep, for He grants sleep to those He loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Good job. Good job. Good job. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know if you noticed, but the word vain actually shows up three times in the psalm that was just read. And vain means something that has no value or no worth. It's like an empty achievement or you could say it's pointless. Psalm the author of Psalms 127, Solomon inspired by Holy Spirit, he begins the psalm right with the main thought. He says unless the Lord builds the house, the labor the builder's labor in in vain. Now, the clause, unless the Lord builds the house, doesn't mean that God has a hammer and nails and that he's actually working at construction work. Rather, it is speaking metaphorically of God's direct involvement in our lives. Now, the Hebrew word for uh, house that appears here in Psalm 127.1 appears nearly a thousand times in the Bible, and it's used literally to refer to temples, palaces, homes, and also figuratively to refer to households and families, all of which are important structures in a person's life. I like the way the NLT puts the first part of this verse. NLT says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. No matter how good they are, no matter how skilled they are, no matter how hard they work, if God isn't building the house, it will be a waste. See, God is the master carpenter of our lives in a spiritual sense. He is the source of wisdom, which is actually the most valuable building material. Basically, Solomon is saying, don't do anything without God. And children, don't do anything without God, whether it's school, whether it's writing a paper in school, or getting ready for a test. Don't do anything without God, or don't do a project without God, or don't do your job without God. Don't develop a relationship without God. Don't try to maintain a marriage without God. Don't try to build a family without God. Don't do anything without God and without applying his principles is what this verse is saying. So whatever you attempt in life, commit it to God right from the very beginning, because if God isn't in it, then his blessing won't be on it, and it will not be built on a solid foundation. Foundation matters. How many of you have ever built your own home here? Some of us maybe have, some of you have, some of you have acted as contractors, to build your home or whatever. My wife and I uh, built a couple homes in our marriage, and uh, I mean houses in our marriage. We also built a home in our marriage. Uh, but the first house that we built was actually in Mill Woods in the Woodville area here, and I uh, was a young guy and aggressive, and I found a really good deal on a lot. And it was in the keyhole crescent, and it looked like an amazing lot. And uh, it was, uh, But what I didn't catch is the lot was sloping really sloping, which turned out to be a good thing. But when we tried to dig the basement, they couldn't hit a solid foundation on the back part of the structure. So we couldn't get to a good base. So we actually had to dig down and we had to remove a bunch of material and then we had to uh, compact it by bringing in other material to get a solid foundation. So foundation matters. Jesus, at the end of the most famous sermon in the world, anybody tell me what the most famous sermon in the world is? Well, that's an important, <laughs> that's good, that is. But the Sermon on the Mount is actually referred to as, as, as one of the greatest sermons in the world, and uh, Jesus uh, speaks this sermon, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 7 and uh, we're going to pick a couple of uh, three verses out of this sermon matthew chapter 7 verses 24 to 27 and helping me this morning is dixon watson to share this scripture dixon please therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock Very good. Thank you. So there were several things that I want us to note from uh, this uh, parable that Jesus told. Uh, These men's lives had several things that were similar, and they had several things that were really different. I want to begin to look at what was very similar in these uh, men's lives, and we'll see that, first of all, both men had the same dream. They both wanted to build a house. Now, this parable is not just for architects, carpenters, or contractors. This parable is actually for you and for me. Because building a house is simply an an analogy for building a life. Everybody in here is building a life. You want to build a life that you are going to be proud of and thankful for. And someday that you can look back with, uh, that you don't have to look back on regret with, but that you can look back on your life without regret. That's the kind of life that we want to build. You want to build a marriage, a family that is vibrant and alive and committed. And you want to build a life that is going to stand the test of time. So even as we hear these ancient words, we find they have incredible relevance to us here today in 2021 on this August morning in Edmonton. These words are relevant because all of us today fit into this story. Both of these men had the dream to build a life. And then we'll see that both of these men faced the same storm. Now, the description of the storm, if you noted it, is actually the same. It says, the language is the same. It says, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and burst against the house. They burst against that house. Now, everybody in here, but everybody watching us online right now, everybody here, is affected or is going to be affected by the negative realities of life. The reality is, folks, we're all going to go through storms. Now, they may not be exactly the same, but one thing I want to say to you is the reality is that we are will all get rained on. Have you found that? And I just want to say to you this morning that my heart continues to break with yours for the difficult things that you're going through and even yesterday I had a conversation with somebody and just listening to the story and my heart was just just broken listening to the difficult things this individual was going through so the storms will come life is not always sunshine life is not always exciting life is not always perfect life can have some difficult moments life can will have tears and it's in this parable both men are facing the storm. Now even as there's some similarities in these men, there are some very big differences. The two men possess two very different characters, two different characters. Jesus, Jesus called the first man a wise man, and he calls the second man. Foolish. Foolish. Now actually, we get the word moron from the Greek word that is translated foolish here. You almost could say that Jesus was saying, you know, living this way is like a... And I didn't say it, but he's saying it's foolish. 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 Wisdom is the ability... To take biblical truth and to apply it to life. And Psalm or Proverbs 24, 3 states, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. The wise man heard and took the teachings of Jesus and he applied them in his life, whereas the foolish man did not apply them. That is why the two men had distinctly different foundations now if I asked you to describe your house to me what would you say you might say well I live in a bungalow I live in a two-story I live in a split level I'm at the end of a crescent or I'm on a main street you might say I have I've got hardwood or granite countertops I've got three bathrooms one bathroom no bathrooms I don't know probably you have a bathroom Uh, but whatever you probably wouldn't be talking to me about the foundation of your house would you but remember foundation of your house is critically important it matters it matters one man he built his foundation on the rock the other man built his foundation on the sand so let me ask you what's the difference between building on sand and on or on a rock well on sand on a sand foundation you can build very quickly and it's much less costly the man who built his house on the sand was an overnight success. His Facebook posts were amazing. And his Instagram posts describing how his life was progressing, they were stunning. They left his friends in awe. They left his peers in wonder at how quickly his life was progressing to such a apparent success. The other man, he was building his house On a rock. Takes much more time. Very costly. And it was taking a long time. As a matter of fact, his Facebook and Instagram posts were few and far between. And actually when he posted, it seemed kind of boring. Kind of boring. Just regular stuff. And he spent a long time just working on the foundation. And for a while it seemed like there was no progress because he was drilling down deep through the rock and he was pouring in concrete and he was putting in rebar and he was just putting together a solid solid foundation and eventually he finishes the house now if you were to drive by this uh, suburban neighborhood you would see the two houses they would look relatively the same there wouldn't be a huge difference Uh, however there was a huge difference that you couldn't see and that was the foundation of the houses. The next thing that is really different, because of the foundations, the two men experienced significantly different outcomes. Different outcomes. When the storm came, we heard red, one house stood and the other house fell. Not only did it fall, but it fell with a great crash. Why did it fall? Why? Why? Because foundation matters. Isn't it amazing the difference a solid foundation makes? You know a storm has a way of revealing what foundation our life is built on? A foundation built by applying the Word of God will sustain us in the storms of life. And you know the best way to apply the Word of God, first of all, is to memorize it. We need to get the Word of God into our mind. We need to get it into our heart. And then when we're going through the storm, uh, the Word will come back to us. And it will be that solid foundation. I want to say to our parents, I think the parents of this next generation, you guys are doing a great job. You're doing a good job. I think in some ways, uh, you have seen and are doing some things that we didn't do. And I think you're ahead of us in some things. One of the things that we did do and that you're doing is teaching the children the value of Scripture and memorizing Scripture. And we have a young lady... Sheena Ahila, who is here this morning. And she's memorized a piece of scripture that's going to be with her for her whole life. And I'm asking her to share that scripture with us now, please. Try it again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul. All the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that verse is going to stay with her. When she goes through the storms of life, she's going to remember the Lord is my shepherd. When she goes through different difficult times, she's gonna know that he's with her. And in the middle of the, uh, her enemies, he's act, she's gonna know that he's preparing a table for her, right in the middle of where the enemies are. And then, when those last moments of life come, and we can't get our iPad or our phone to look up a scripture, when, we, when, our, when we're moving from here into eternity, she, she's going to be able to say, even though I walk through the valley, and it's just the valley, it's just the passageway, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me, and knowing that the Lord will take her home. All the way through her life, that psalm can be a firm foundation for her life. Folks, are we memorizing Scripture? Are we putting the Word into our hearts then the psalmist goes on he says unless the lord watches over the city the guards stand watch in vain here he's using a metaphor of a watchman to address the whole issue of security of guarding of maintaining what we have built and the The principle here for us is that we not only start to build with God, but we also maintain what we are building by continuing to apply his principles and to look to him for perfection. And that is what will make it sustainable in the long term. In the long term. We need to continue to look to God. And then he goes on to say, In vain you rise early. And stay up late, toiling for food. Notice this is the third time the word in vain appears in this psalm. Now, there's nothing wrong with working hard. In fact, you're supposed to work hard. And sometimes you need to work long hours. But there's a wrong way and a right way to work. And the wrong way to work is to leave God out of it. And when you're burning the candle on both ends, sometimes you need to ask God for more wax. But sometimes you need to slow down and trust God to provide for you. See, working harder is not always the answer. Trusting God is. As Eugene Peterson says, don't work like the devil, work like a believer. Work like a child of God. Trust God to establish the work of your hands. Then he goes on to say in the last part of this verse, for he grants sleep to those he loves. You know, folks, sleeplessness is a huge, huge issue in our world today. God grants sleep. See, there's no value. overworking yourself or staying up at night worrying about everything God wants you to rest in his blessing God wants you to trust him rather than worry remember what we learned back in Psalm 121 God never slumbers nor sleeps so when you are sleeping just think about that when you are sleeping God is working God stays awake so we don't have to he wants you to have a good night's rest. So receive sleep as a gift from the Lord. With God in charge, you can rest. You can sleep every night before we go to sleep. My wife and I pray. We pray for protection around the home, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We pray uh, for for a good night's rest. And we actually, many times I have to, in my mind, say, God, I can't solve all this stuff I'm carrying. I'm just laying it down because it says, cast your cares before me. And I'm going to lay it down. And I pray you grant me a good night's rest because we can rest in him. He's got it. He's got it. Sometimes we think we're going to worry because God can't handle it. We think that's responsible. The Lord actually spoke to me about that. Don't be worrying about the church. It's my church. I can look after it a lot better than you can. Leave it in my hands. The same with our kids, same with our family, same with our business. Same with whatever you're worrying about. Give it to him. You might be here this morning the upper balcony, down on the main floor, lower auditorium or online, watching this morning, wherever you're watching from. And you might say, you know, you've been talking about a firm foundation. And I'm not sure I have that in my life right now. And I want to say to you, you can. You can have that firm foundation. And that's, it actually comes as a gift. The firm foundation begins with Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. It starts with Jesus and the foundation is built from him. So this morning I'm going to give you an opportunity to begin to build that firm foundation by inviting Jesus Christ to be your savior. To come into your life. To give you eternal life. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'm going to ask us all to join in this prayer. And to invite Jesus So, Lord Jesus, today, I make the decision to give my life to you. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And today, Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. I receive you in my mind, my will, my emotions. I surrender to you, Jesus, come in. Come into my life. I don't understand it all, but I'm going to trust you as you lead me. Thank you. Thank you for saving me today, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, I want to say to you, you've been born again into the family of God. What a wonderful thing. And we want to support you in that exciting decision that you've made. And coming up on the screen is a, a number 587 323 If you can take out your cell phone, as many people have, and just text LIFE to that number, what will happen, it will come up on the screen, uh, a little contact form just to give us some contact information, and we can get a really helpful resource to you, Next Steps, an online resource. Also, if you're here in person and you want I'd appreciate it if you could come talk to me or one of the team, one of the pastors afterwards, we can share that resource with you in a paper form, and I just want to celebrate the decision. We want to be encouragement to you in your journey of faith. So God bless you for that. So the psalm continues on. Uh, psalm 127:3. it says, "Children are a heritage from the Lord." offspring, a reward from him. Now, heritage is something that is handed down from the past. It's legacy. Children are a heritage, a way of preserving family into the next generation. You might say, what about couples for various reasons who cannot physically have children? Well, I believe they've been given a special role to minister to the ones The fatherless and motherless, and they are blessed to become parents through adoption and fostering, as many of you have, and also develop a heritage that way. So if you are a parent, you will be remembered by the children you leave behind. That legacy will remain long after your personal achievements have been forgotten and all that you have built your life on is dispersed. I was thinking back to my growing up years, and I was thinking back to uh, to our farm sale. I grew up on a farm, and uh, my dad also had a gravel trucks, and uh, he had one gravel truck when he passed away, and. Uh, I remember the farm sale. It's an auction sale for those of you who don't have context. And what what happens, an auctioneer bids in about a minute or two, a piece of equipment is sold. I remember watching that farm sale as the bidder stood there and the combine came across, the tractors came across, and the gravel truck came across, equipment that represented what my dad had built. And the auctioneer would say, sold, sold. Sold, and I'm just watching that all just kind of disappear in a few short hours. The purchasers left with their newfound bargain or item that they had bought, and I'm thinking like, "That's it, that's it, that's it." And then I thought further, the legacy that my dad and mom have left behind, continues on in myself and my sister and in our eight in grandchildren. It carries on. And sometimes when people see me, they say, if they knew my dad, they say, I can see your dad in you because his legacy goes on and my legacy will go on in my grandchildren. It won't be in all the stuff. Won't be on all the stuff, and I'm so thankful that my parents gave me a firm foundation. My mom introduced me to Jesus Christ when I was four years old. Four years old, got kids, and you can follow Jesus for your whole life. Do you know that? You might say, well, what about those who are called to singleness who will never marry? Well, I watched them enjoy a rich heritage as aunts and uncles. They serve as aunts and uncles in amazing ways. They serve in our children's ministry. They volunteer in organizations and reach out to at-risk children. They leave a legacy in different ways in the children's lives they pour into. You know, there's so many children that have no one who cares for them. And God blesses. God blesses adults who show the love of Jesus to the children of the world. You know, there's a way, there's a way for all of us to pour into the lives of children. And again, I'm so thankful for all of you that are serving here, pouring into the lives of children in this church. God bless you for that. You know, Jesus loved the little children, and so should we. And then the psalmist goes on to say, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are children born in one's youth. You know, archers spend countless hours preparing their arrows. They choose the right piece of wood. They cut it precisely to size. They spend hours polishing it, shaping it, and fitting the feathers and the arrowhead. Like arrows, children need to be shaped and formed. Like arrows, they need to be be guided with skill and strength. And they must be given care, otherwise they're not going to fly straight. They must be aimed and given direction, or they will not, because they will not find direction on their own. But arrows, when released, become an extension of the warrior's strength and accomplishment. And children, when launched, become a strength of their parents. That's why the psalmist said, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents. In court, some of your virgins will say at the city gates because court was actually held at the city gates in the ancient days. So, how big is a quiver? Anybody know? How big is a quiver? I don't know. For my wife and I, I was six. For It's as big as the Lord wants it to be for you. That's between you and the Lord. I don't have any exegesis here of this text to be able to answer that question. You work that out between you and God. But remember, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So court was held at the city gates, and it says here that children will contend with the parents' opponents at the city gates. And this conveys the idea that the time will come when our children will contend for us on the issues of life. Many of you have had to contend on the behalf of your aging parents already. You understand what I mean. And many of us have had our grandkids or our kids help us with our computers, right? Or your phone. Come on, admit it. Your grandkids are probably better on the computer than you are. They'll help you with it. Just, just be humble and ask them. Children are an incredible gift from God. Thank God, God. To thank God for the gift of life, Hannah took Samuel to the temple to dedicate him to God. And Eli took care of Samuel and urged him to listen to God's voice and trained him. Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to thank God for him. Anna and Simeon praised God for Jesus when they saw the fullness of God's salvation for the world in Jesus. They were filled with joy and hope. Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.